and we are live. So yeah, I'm not gonna literally not gonna introduce you or anything. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For now, so we'll just we'll just get chatting as yeah. best we can as best we can. But yeah, so Harris, anyone else? Anyone you can put me onto? Um, I listen to there's a couple of political ones. So uh, there's the Global Politico, and okay. it's run by um, a kind of a think tank. They have a few different po- podcasts, kind of a political think tank, Washington. And um, she's a really good interview. She really knows she. her stuff. <laughs> uh, trust. <laughs> Not going to go there. <laughs> Sorry, what's it called again? Uh, the Global Politico. Um, really, like, just different people, like, different kind of... Uh, it's all about kind of democracy and international dem- democracy and, like... Um, uh, it's really interesting because there's a lot of people say who would have been in say former administrations like the Clinton in- administration or the Bis- Bush administration say in their um, State Department so foreign affairs and yeah. all these people talking about you know how it was kind of like it was ba- <laughs> now in the age of Trump all that has just been kind of washed away but there's this whole art to democracy and uh, diplomacy um, and international affairs and international relations and stuff so it's all kind of about that it's actually really interesting so um, yeah different different kind of heads of state and stuff like that uh, what else there'll be there'll be podcasts a couple of film podcasts like for script writers and I'm that's I'm starting my own podcast about the Irish film industry to inspired by yourself uh just going and doing it kind of gave me the cool. yeah that's cuz I've kind of been thinking about it and um say a lot of the american you would probably find this as well I'd say so much of what we listen to is american or even to a lesser extent english very little is Irish and has the context important to us. So, for example, with the script writing podcast, uh, they're <laughs> like they're all very American, very Hollywood. So, like they'd have a Q and A at the start, and it'd be like, hmm, "Do you think I should get an agent or a manager?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's like just a million miles from the reality of any Irish writer. Like, and probably so. the reality over there. For most, probably, yeah. It is a kind of a... a well, it'd be an aspiration. I guess some of the Americans are so aspirational that they wouldn't know... Even writers starting out wouldn't feel like it's irrelevant to them or whatever. But, so, me and another guy who who runs, um, I think, all the a group basically called the Film Network Ireland, uh, we're doing it together. And... It, it's a kind of a sneaky way of actually being able to, as you said, like just being able to go and have these conversations that I wouldn't be able to have. So yeah. we've reached out to a couple of kind of directors, um, uh, producers, filmmakers. So it's going to, it is going to be a double edged sword in that. I just want to have these, con- I want to hear these conversations to start with yeah. um, and learn from them. And that's kind of where part of where the idea came from. Um, and, then I'm kind of you know we're putting ourselves out there me and Paul uh, and we're going like you know I think because nobody else is doing it I think it will help boost our profile as well so it'll be just very positive all around and a few months ago I used to do radio on uh, Flirt FM which is the student radio in Galway and uh, 
I got into it just kind of because I always had this kind of weird encyclopedic knowledge of music that right. like just well nothing nothing special I just I'm able to seem to be able to retain a lot of information about music and I'm a total music nerd so I'll be able to tell you all about different I'd know th- I'd know like kind of the stories behind a lot of like genres and stuff like that so I started uh, back in college started doing a show it was called Webby's Musical Music Musings very good and I would just take a show take each show would be an hour long and I'd just take say come up with a theme so for example just like grunge so telling the story of grunge what came before it what inspired it the early acts like going into then Nirvana and when it exploded and Pearl Jam and each each stage you play a song as you're going through so I would have done the same with say punk music or like African music so every show would have been completely different but I researched it a lot and put a good bit of work into it and they're all up there now but I kind of missed that and it kind of made me uh, learn new music and find out more about music so I wanted to do that but I didn't want to do it on my own so uh, I had a couple of other guys who really know their music and we came up with a format uh, to uh, do a podcast um, where basically same idea where we take a theme um, so what was the one we did the last day uh, shout out to my ex and it was all songs um, that were kind of breakup songs but like kind of defiant like fuck you to my ex or whatever <laughs> that kind of thing so or like the one before that uh songs that you didn't know were covers and we play the original and then we'll chat about and it's kind of we're all making the case for our song uh or a reggae show where we just we it's not really competitive but like say we're all trying to pick a song with a good story we play it have a chat about it play the next one so it's only about half an hour per episode um, and it's called uh, Radio Blah Blah. Good. So, Great yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, it took us a while to come up with It's hard, it's real hard to come up with good, catchy names. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, it's kind of like, probably a bit like yourself. If you're into something, I found anything I've kind of gotten into, I kind of usually want to give it a go. Yeah. And that's kind of what you, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Would you be obsessive like that? I don't know. It's not obsessive. I think I've just like I'd be a doer. Like I yeah, just, yeah. um, I wouldn't re. I just if I kind of put my mind to something, it's kind of comes natural to me. And people will always say, "Oh, Jesus, you do this and you do that." And when I kind of hear people saying that back to me or kind of seeing it on paper, well, yeah, I suppose I do do a bit. But it doesn't. It doesn't. None of this really feels like work or you know it's not a strain like everything is fun like the like the music podcast it's just it's a laugh like uh but other things kind of generate out of that and kind of a new idea to basically keep take that concept and uh turn it into like a night like um there's a big thing in dublin called story slam and it's on once a month in the sugar club and what they do is uh, they have a team uh, for the night. So, say, romance or uh, romance is dead or something like that or or food or something. And it's always packed. It's always really busy. It's kind of been going a few years. And uh, 
what people do is then you have to get up and you tell a story five minutes, no more than five minutes, and it has to be a true story based on that theme. So people get up and they tell their story and then uh, the crowd kind of judges it, so it gives scores yeah. and the win- and then there's a, a winner at the end. It's brilliant crack. And it, the stuff, the stories that people come out with are often brilliant. So you get good nights and bad nights. But uh, kind of had the idea of doing kind of a nice, kind of a musical version of that. So yeah. like the podcast where we pick a theme, but instead of just the three of us, it's kind of put out to the crowd and each per- a person will come up. So the team, uh, I was thinking of a team, like I usually come try and come up with like a lyric, like there's a great lyric from, it's used in a lot of reggae songs. It's like, uh, give me a little bass, let me wind up my waist. <laughs> so that w- <laughs> I'm thinking about that as the first one. Uh, or the sec- another one was like, um, smells like teen spirit. So song, the, the first one would be about, uh, like songs that make you move so it could be like you know about raving when you're a kid or like so you come up and you tell the story associated with the song then we play the song and then the next person comes up tells the story play the song and you play the song and people kind of sit around and listen or get up and dance or both whatever or they want yeah yeah what type of venue are you like are you looking at like the solstice or oh, the well, central this, or this would be dublin nowhere? this would be dublin now, but, so. no, yeah, but, but, but uh take that give the Dublin version yeah, is it yeah. like an, an amphitheatre or a uh, pub or so the Sugar Club is a bit of a mix between the two it's got, it's, it used to be a cinema so it's kind of tiered and okay. there's all seats but you can also kind of dance right there's a big uh, kind of area at the front it's class venue so I don't know like that's sometimes like I get these ideas and like it's a total distraction from <laughs> what you should be doing what I should be doing <laughs> it's not going to do anything for my career so I I might not do it. I just kind of got that yesterday, but that's kind of how my brain would work. Like, and is that a live podcast? Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm still. We're still. I'm still working it out, and I haven't brought it to the other lads. But it just seemed like I. I was kind. I was thinking, oh, we should, maybe we should do a launch for the podcast, and then had the idea. We actually used to do. I used to live in this really cool house in Galway. It was kind of a hippie house. Um, uh, it was a co-op and it was a big house out near Salt Hill and there was about six of us in it and uh, there was like an actual ethos to the house it was a, okay. an American um, lady who kind of my friend Kerry Ellen uh, she she kind of set it up she had lived in co-ops kind of a th- big thing in America um, yeah I was over, I stayed in one over in um, in Texas in what you call it with your brother was yeah. it was he living in one yeah, oh, yeah, cool. he was indeed. Yeah, it was uh, like a five-story building, and there was a yeah. hundred odd students there, and they ran the kitchen and yeah. they took care of yeah. like the you know the bins and, yeah. and whatever else yeah, and the yeah. cleaning in the place, and they had schedules and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Class, really, yeah. really cool concept. Like. Yeah, how did he find it? Did he like it? Loved it. Yeah, yeah. it was in Austin, and Austin would be yeah. You know, you know what Austin's yeah. like. It's reputation precedes it. Like yeah, yeah. So ours was like a very small version of that, but it worked. Like it was great because you'd you'd everybody had to cook once and there were six of us so pretty much every day someone would cook and that meant you only actually had to cook one day of the week yeah and then same you shop and do the cleaning every six weeks and of course it's very hard to, to both shop and cook for yourself yeah like I, I struggle here we really? have to do two shoppings a week really yeah two small shops because you do a big shop 
like we did it for years like you end up chucking out full uncooked chickens or and yeah. st- stuff like that like and it's I know sickening like see, I've been on my own for some microwave <laughs> 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 meal for one <laughs> no well just, no, just I, one for yeah, yeah thanks no, I, I, uh, I eat fairly well so my brother Tony always says that people on their own tend to <laughs> look after themselves better I don't know tend to look after themselves better yeah I, really yeah because they have to <laughs> which is very sad <laughs> which I was telling a friend of mine um, he uh, had he was taking I think kidney medication right uh, and unknown to him it was having an effect on his uh, his um, sodium level and he ended up having like a fit in the middle of the night oh. and only that his girlfriend was there and woke up she called the the ambulance and uh, he was in the hospital within you know twenty minutes. And but time is, is what do they say? Time is brain matter or something. Time, yeah. yeah. So it's a big deal. Like yeah, it kind Depending of freaks on what you it out. Is, like for a stroke or something. Like, yeah. What's that analogy? Is it fast or something? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it, what, what yeah. it is, but you get the you get the concept. Yeah. But uh, I I digress there. But um. Yeah, so in the house, we also did really cool things. Like, we had uh, an art festival in the house. Sandwich. Uh And we'd have different pack nights. pack of nerds. <laughs> Such a pack of nerds, but, like, kind of like-minded people and proactive, yeah. you know. Like doers. Just doers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's not a lot of them around. You get six of them in a house together. is pretty I know. fucking special. Yeah, like. yeah. And th- there was problems with it as well. <sighs> like, you know... It, big personalities and stuff like that I wasn't there that long um, right. it was kind of it was really interesting for a while it, it's a lot of work like it is a lot of yeah. work um, but we did we did a few different types of parodies and one of them was just bringing people uh, everyone would bring two or three songs and talk about them uh, cool. and you'd play you'd get up and you'd have a little story about each song play it listen to it uh, and then someone else would come and it's just kind of party you don't come across that often and that kind of idea then to maybe expand that into the radio blah blah thing but yeah as I said like I get ideas about you know opening restaurants or like I like you know that I think would be economically good money spinners or whatever but I just I kind of have to check myself and go no You've you've chosen a difficult path <laughs> with the <laughs> filmmaking. Just focus on that, um, and I, I most of my energy goes into that, and most of my talk goes into that. But it, it's kind of fun to do other things as well. Absolutely, yeah. I think there's a real ready uh, ready appetite for the idea that you'd listen to a new song and hear somebody talk about it. Yeah. Personally, now that would be yeah. right up my street. Right, yeah. really would like. Yeah, and I think. I think I'm representative of a lot of people out there. Yeah. Like, how, how often do you hear people say, you know, or ask you, you know, do you have any new music or what are you listening to these yeah. days? That, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To know, to hear somebody, to listen to a new song and then hear somebody explain what it's about or where it came from or its history, it yeah. gives you an insight into every other song you'll ever listen to. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, yeah. Because I think people, especially these days, and a, a big part of the reason that I'm doing this is my pushback against what I call the domestication of uh, humanity, essentially. Right. Uh, I feel that humans worldwide, especially in the West, have been domesticated to a point where they're being bred to consume, essentially. Right. So, you know, the, the songs that are played on the radio, 
they're hitting certain circuitry in your brain. There's there's so many you know beats per second, and they're that makes them catchy and yeah. popular, yeah. and yeah. that provides revenue and yeah. and the big wheel turns. You yeah. know, kind of. Way. Yeah, yeah. But there's um, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people in Ireland, yeah. alone even yeah. that are making really good music. Act, what what is actually music, yeah. and not just so many beats per minute or whatever yeah. it is that, yeah, yeah. that yeah. catches your yeah. catches your attention. Yeah. Um, and the promotion like there's there's an infinite pool of of people like that waiting to be promoted and if you can if you can kind of be the conduit to yeah. put them to other yeah. people yeah. yeah i think you're you're really onto something and the same for films i think as well yeah yeah well something that was lost with like the demise of records and cds and dvds was that culture of swap is oh you need to see this yeah, yeah you need yeah. to listen to this it's there a bit i mean you can send someone a link but it's not really the same Unless it's a link to something that's about eleven seconds long, it's, you're <laughs> fucked. Like because yeah. people people just don't have it. Like they don't have. Yeah. They, it's not that they don't have it. They don't make the time. Yeah, yeah. It's gone out of the culture. Like I used to make CDs for people. I used to make mixes for people. Yeah. And it put a lot of time and effort in, and yeah. you know people really appreciate it. it, it not it doesn't always when you did make a mix that hit with somebody. You know I still have tapes. I still have CDs. Like. When I I remember when I was like in sixth class, uh, I was like singing. I was no, I was into weird indie music that mo- most weren't, and I think I was like singing a Pixies song or something. And uh, obviously had like a cool sub teacher, <laughs> and he was probably only like twenty twenty two or twenty three. Yeah, but yeah. he heard me. He was like, "How how do you know that song?" I was like, oh, I, I, they're one of my favorite bands or whatever. And he was blown away, and he made me a tape. Uh, and like I still have that tape, so yeah. it's class tape, like some tangible as well. Yeah, like, memory attached and all the rest. Yeah, of it. yeah. Uh, and you know, put it on in the car, and like it's funny. I probably didn't really get most of the songs on it, but when I came, when I found it years later, I, I'd kind of discovered a lot of the bands myself after. So like Bob Dylan and and like like Idiot Win by Bob Bob Dylan was on it and um there was like this class movie track this is like pre internet there was this like class movie track that I couldn't find for years what it was uh <laughs> and I'd lost the tape and then like I heard it uh, a DJ was playing it and I ran up to him and I had to find <laughs> out what it, what it was. Uh, whereas now... You couldn't just Shazam it. Like, yeah, now it's just away? Shazam. Like, the magic... Which, I love Shazam. Like, I wouldn't yeah, be that yeah. And I'm not... I don't want to be one of these people who's an immense, you know... Technical Yeah, yeah. But there is something... Like, I think this about this a lot. You might think about it a lot as well in terms of our generation is the kind of the last pre-internet de- gen- generation. Yeah, we no, remember absolutely. both. 100%. 100%. And I, that, I think that's a really big deal. And yeah, I think massive. that will get to be a bigger deal as we get older. Um, it, It's weird to think that we'll be like <laughs> these old funny duddies. We're like, already the know, old funny duddies. Like. Yeah, yeah. But come on, like, you know, talking about things like that, tapes and mix CDs and, you know, how quickly they're gone like they were the thing for so long uh yeah. do you know <laughs> like um and yeah like just everything like i i do feel sorry for kids who are coming up now just like i, I don't know what i'd be like with the influence of like 
the internet. Like, the, if you had any kind of trouble in school, if people were, you know, I didn't, I wasn't bullied or anything, but you know the fucking shit that goes on in school. Yeah. But when you went home, there was a break. There was, absolutely. It was solace, yeah. it was peace. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas now, it just seems like it's non-stop, and like, like porn, like, my, like, growing up in the age of porn, like, how fucked up? Like, how could that not mess with yeah, yeah. yeah. I was know? only listening to a podcast recently. Uh, it wasn't about porn, but porn yeah. came up. Yeah, it's actually Rogan, I think. Right. Um, and one of the interesting things that came up in it was the guy that was on. I think gave an example of how there was, was some story he'd heard of some young lad, you know, sixteen or seventeen year old, yeah. or whatever, uh, was seeing a girl for a couple of weeks, or whatever, and yeah. finally got to the stage where it was, you know, up to the bedroom. Yeah. And, you know the the pants came down and he fucking freaked out, right? Because she had pubes essentially, right? And he was like, "Oh my god, what the fuck is?" And you know, he was fucking horrified, and she was horrified because he was horrified. Yeah, yeah. And it was just because she had pubes, but he's grown up on yeah. porn, like, right? So practically never seen a, a pube in his life. Do you yeah. like in a way? Yeah, little things like that, like yeah. Um, and even even what's driving the content because another point that was made was. Porn actresses between the ages of give or take twenty three and thirty five mm. apparently can't get work. Yeah, because they're not milfs and they're or not, not teens. Yeah, yeah. And like when you've got that, yeah, yeah. Like it's just, it's fucking scary. It really is. And when you see when you know how um, how I suppose innocent everyone is when they're kind of growing yeah. up and how easily yeah. influenced they are. Yeah, like I was so innocent. Like. You know, but I'm so like I, I didn't, I didn't actually discover porn until I was about twenty three, like yeah. And to think, you know, if old man <laughs> Webster, yeah, yeah. But I would have been like, you know, now, like someone who's twenty three would have like six or seven years of porn yeah. use. But that, that's what I mean, like old old man Webster. You, yeah, you sound like my granddad right. talking about the fucking war. Like, do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like you're saying we'll get to the stage when we'll become these people. Yeah, you're fucking living it. Like. Yeah, like to, for a for a seventeen year old or an eighteen year old to hear that you only first came across porn, pardon the pun, when you were fucking, <laughs> you know, tw- in your twenties. Yeah, like what the fuck? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what in in, in their in their mind, like you know, were you a fucking virgin till you were thirty? Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's yeah it's weird like yeah so in that way the generation gap between our generation and that generation is huge it's way bigger than i think between us and the next generation say ahead of us yeah no i, I think i think you're absolutely right about our generation being i suppose that the last people to remember a kind of pre-internet day yeah and i think the internet had so much promise and still does have so much promise. Like mm. the idea of your um, your teacher giving you that mixtape. Yeah. When the internet came along, everyone thought that oh, like that little interaction that you had. Now you'll have that, you know, once a week because you can just send this stuff. Yeah. But instead, what you get is you get a thousand of them every twenty minutes. You're you're flooded with so much yeah. shit. You, yeah. You just you can't separate the wheat from the chaff, like. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it makes people appreciate things like that and I do it's I, I guess it's important to get the balance of like you know not harking back in kind of a, a fake nostalgic way but taking the value from those 
kind of things that were from the past and kind of recognizing them. And I think that does happen. Like in terms, like you know, people. That's why people are going back to records, and that's why there's still bookshops on every yeah. street. Uh, Absolutely. Even though the technology has outpassed yeah. all that, like books are redundant. Yeah, full stop. There's no need for absolutely them. none whatsoever. But that's that would be something that gives me hope. People still like the feel of it, and it oh, I'd be massively optimistic. Yeah, about, and that's just I suppose my, my nature in general. But I would make a, or I'd like to think I'd make a, a good solid case yeah. for there being reason to be. Oi. Yeah, now we're back in the room. I don't know what the fuck okay. happened there? Um, so where did we? You were talking about the documentary that you'd like to make about your man, the doctor. What was his name again? Uh, yeah, Doctor Rin. So yeah, basically, uh, comes the first um, vasectomy, vasectomy doctor. Uh, the vasectomist. Vasect- I think Is that's that what they say in America, but I think here's vasectomy doctor. doctor. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, kind of you know rubbing up against the church and all that, and priests coming to his house and all that. And then in ni- in the kind of early eighties, when contraceptive they they made them legal because they had to, but then um, you to they had to get a prescription from a doctor. So imagine, imagine you know, c- couples or even a single person, you know, trying to get condom like just you know what we consider the the basic responsible thing to do, you know, to always have condoms on you, you know, to, that they would be this kind of contraband item, that, you know. But you see, what did you say there? The, the the basic responsible thing to do. Yeah. The basic responsible thing to do is not to be having premarital sex, young Webster. Did you, <laughs> did you not know? Right. Yes. <laughs> see that this was. Well, the, that's that would be the argument. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mother Teresa came and spoke about. What was it? Um, whenever she was here, early eighties. Right. Yeah. Um, came out and said, like, you know, I think they would have to be made legal. Right. Whether on prescription or otherwise. Yeah, and she proclaimed from the pulpit essentially to the masses, "Yeah, don't be fucking using these things. They're evil. They're yeah. fucking this, that, and the yeah. other." Yeah. And that that mentality is still peddled by the Catholic Church in the developing world now, and the Catholic Church in particular has fucking the blood of millions of people on its hands, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're still at that. Like. Yeah, Jesus, it's crazy. Like in a, we would consider ourselves so developed in that, you know, at this mm. stage. But this is, as I was say, this is. 30, 30 odd years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so he, he got six hundred signatures from GPs around the country saying this is unworkable. Brought it to the doll. Doll did nothing. Um, so he said, right, uh, I have to do something about this. All these other doctors signed it, but nobody else actually did anything about it. So this is the thing that I'm really interested about: progress and how sometimes we kind of think, you know progress is just a natural result of time moving on but it's not yeah, it's absolutely hard not. work yeah, like, yeah. and it's people yeah. like it's little it's loads and loads of little stories like this and this is this is the one little story that i want to tell um so he uh he and a civil act of disobedience so he he purposely broke the law so he got a friend of his to come in and buy the condoms without and he sold them to him without prescription yeah and then they went into the Garda station with all the evidence, the most cooperative criminals ever. <laughs> uh, Class. Handed over the receipts and the, a picture of him selling, <laughs> selling, you know, all the evidence they need. Of course, yeah. Uh, Arrest me. Yeah. <laughs> Hands out for the handcuffs. And yeah, so the guards were like, right, okay. So they, 
they arrested him went to court just you know kicking up a big fuss making a big fuss um, got ordered to pay a fine he could either pay a £500 fine or go to jail he said he wanted to go to jail of course yeah for the uh, publicity yeah but his family wouldn't let him so he said he'd appeal the £500 fine so it went to whatever the next highest up court was yeah Uh and so they had to make this case then for why it was ridiculous in court. So this kind of got the national attention that that it needed to get. And there's actually a clip on the reeling in the years from 1983 of him kind of outside the court. No, that would uh, be a cool edit into yeah, the documentary, yeah, like yeah, yeah, the live so footage. Get the archive of that, and uh, um, yeah, and there's there's kind of a funny story. Like they're basically arguing to the judge why this is unworkable and um, one of the things was like GPs weren't open at the weekend <laughs> and the doctor was or the judge was obviously kind of old fashioned or whatever a bit exacerbated with the whole thing he just thought it was a whole farce or whatever and uh, why can't people just wait till Monday <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was actually the headline then on the next the next day yeah of course you know, and uh, so wait till Monday so that he that kind of came synonymous with that judge and apparently he had a good sense of humour about it and he had a horse and he called it wait till Sunday and brilliant it done quite well um, so just all these little stories kind of throughout his life and then the next one the kind of this is the kind of this is the kind of kind of fun bit of the and the kind of thrilling bit and the bit that I'm going to use to kind of hook in viewers into the documentary so basically, he was shot. He, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Uh, fuck, fuck! I nearly yeah, forgotten it was yeah. the same guy. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. So he was shot in 1990 by a former uh, patient uh, who had actually had a a problem with him, and the doctor just became a a conduit. I think everything just went wrong in that man's life after his wife went off with another woman and whatever. Uh, so and and. Just the way he tells a story is like you know when something like that happens, it really is life changing. Like yeah, like he should have he should have died, uh, by all rights. But um, when you come out, it does change. And like he said, he had a big party t- for the twenty five years after the shooting, and and uh, he was just real good sense of humor about it. Like he said, his brother, when his brother heard he'd been shot, he thought it was uh the arm doing of the pro life movement because he had kind of butted head against them as Larry's, well yeah, he, yeah. Uh, so his whole career was just kind of you know kind of pointing out the ridiculous things yeah <laughs> in the country kind of not not like someone he wasn't like going out of his way to do it it just I don't know there's just something about the way he tells the story that's just like he just saw ridiculous things and he kind of tried to point them out and it's not it's not it's not like like I think so that court case was uh, a contributor to it being um, the condoms being legalised like a, a year or two later they were properly le- legalised now it wasn't because of this doctor but it was part of the it strengthened the argument kind of thing well look it, it started the argument yeah. I suppose did it? yeah to yeah. a large degree yeah um, so yeah and uh, yeah the thing that fascinates me fascinates me about the story is it's it's so recent yeah but the the cool thing about the documentary that you'll do on it yeah. is or fragments like that the scene let's say when the guy comes out of church and he has that conversation yeah presumably he'll be wearing the clothes he would have worn at the, you know 
yeah at that time not that it would have yeah. been massively different or that yeah but, yeah, um, well, yeah. That, that, and that's where the budget will come in to, that's why this is expensive, more expensive than most documentaries that yeah is, period yes yeah but i think like you can you can be told that this happened at in this year and go well, fuck that that was very recent but when you see it filmed and they have, let's say, the style of the car at the time, if you yeah. if you had that kind of yeah, a budget yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and whatever yeah. else, yeah. that without being told the year, it's like, fuck, yeah. this happened in colour. Like, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I expected all this yeah. to happen in black and white. Yeah, like, this yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. this not history? No, yeah. this is fucking earlier yeah. on today. Like. Yeah, this is in your living, this happened in your lifetime. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a couple of things you reminded me of there. Um, in relation to your man kind of pushing back, I, I don't know if it. I I got it from Hitchens. I don't know if it's if the quote is attributable to him. Yeah. But uh, it's our moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I think that's yeah. fucking cool. Like, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and another one that it, you reminded me of was um. In order for evil to thrive, good men need do nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a big one. Yeah. And again, another another um. Another f- accelerant for this podcast is is that it's it's my effort to kind of do something, do that kind of way to to get yeah. other people talking about these yeah. things and yeah. to to yeah. be devil's advocate and to show opposing sides and to yeah to give people fucking something to listen to that listens, you know fucking the Premier League or you know fucking whatever <laughs> yeah. bullshit people are consuming. Like. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I I still keep my toe a bit in the football, but. Most lads, most of our friends, our circle of friends, like the amount of like brain space. Oh, it's fucking it colossal. <laughs> Name four hundred players. Go, <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Name fucking a politician. Trump. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. I, I I guess that's that's like an escapist. I don't know if it's like that's done on purpose or is it just. I don't know. Like, we all have our thing. Like, you know, I can name you 400 directors or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> just the amount... I, it always just amazes me. Lads of every at every level, how much they can know. And, like, the way they test each other. You know these quizzes that they come out with? Yeah. Name four players that won the Premier League but are left-footed or some shit. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Who, who had the most assists for Arsenal in 1974? <laughs> fucking bang. You know, yeah, have yeah. the fucking name. Like. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Everyone thinks that. Yeah. For a start, not everyone thinks yeah. that. You know what I mean? Have you seen the Michelin Web skit? The, Michelin Web, no. Um, do you know Peep Show at all? No. Uh, uh, two very funny guys. Peep Show, you should definitely watch. And then they had kind of a sketch show. And they uh, they have one where it's like a piss take of like the Sky Sports ads, and they uh, oh like, uh, football 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 yeah. who will win the football? <laughs> it's like an endless this week the same of, as yeah. last week, most probably the same thing next week. <laughs> an Very endless good. amount of combinations of teams to play in and forever to play it in. <laughs> but they hit the nail in the oh, head, like you know, just, just the, fucking the unendingness of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who uh, will win the football? Who will win the football? <laughs> but even the like this would be all up your street. How it's how it's directed, like how it, it's so engaging. Like you know, kind of like if you if you didn't speak English, yeah, you'd want to fucking watch whatever program yeah. this was. Yeah, yeah. But you know, he's walking. The camera pans as he walks past, and it yeah. zooms in, and it cuts, yeah. and it's all you know, fucking dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah. it's like a theatrical trailer. Like you know, like, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, because they have to because like it in the. 
70s and 80s and 90s like I was watching the Giles documentary like you know just football like the football wasn't as good but the characters were there yeah so it was just much more interesting it was a lot you know it was people who looked like us with mustaches you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, or people that looked like our dads playing yes you know um, whereas now it just seems to have gotten so removed from reality and it's just kind of grotesque yeah it's disgusting of, yeah a lot of it's disgusting like. yeah yeah um but I guess it's an escapist thing. Yeah, and and you know there's there's uh, there's plenty of room for that, and I think yeah. that that's that's to be encouraged. I think yeah. people, it's like in a, in a way, you can argue that it's a form of fiction. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. It's, it's it's escapism, and that's that's necessary in yeah, this yeah. kind of yeah. tipsy topsy world that we live in. It's, but it's not a, when it's all you all, fucking do. I think about it. Yeah, yeah. Like like it's that that far removed from like wrestling. Like, do you know, yeah, of course. Like there's. A, there's a load of build up and talk and talk and then there's a yeah. fight and then yeah. there's a load of like you know talk about it after and it's yeah. all just, lads yeah. ganging up on the referee and <laughs> yeah. fucking blah, 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 yeah. and fucking whatever else but it makes the it makes the papers like fucking yeah. you know um, Manchester United striker has a affair with fucking some young yeah. one and it's yeah, the yeah. front page of yeah, the yeah. newspapers like. yeah and not even what we would have just called the rags like yeah. do you know kind of way like yeah. the 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 broadsheets like yeah. It's mad. One thing I do love is sports documentaries. Okay. Like so, like, like so, like Senna. Uh, I loved Senna. Yeah. I thought that was class. That was a great window for me into the world of motorsport, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. So I'd love to do something like that. That's what film is all about for me. Um, you know, g- giving you a window into a world that you'd never see. Yeah. And documentary is great for that. Um, There's but, a great one on the UFC. Oh yeah, a fantastic one on the UFC. What's that called? Or? Fuck. Um, I know it's ninety minutes, an hour and a half. Right. UFC. If you stick it into even, if you just Google it, you know, uh, UFC documentary. Yeah. Find something that's ninety okay. minutes. Odds are it's it. Like. Okay, I'll check that out. Uh, ESPN. They did a series called Thirty for Thirty. Did you ever come across? Oh, this? vaguely familiar. Yeah. So basically, they did it for a few years. I don't think they do it anymore. But they would take thirty filmmakers. And right. they'd go off and they'd make 30 different films and it was totally up to the filmmakers what they wanted to do and you've got quite famous like you'd have well-known directors and like Ice Cube did one <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Um, and they're really good like they some of them are a bit hit and miss because um, they're like some of the sports like the baseball ones and the American football ones we just have no real frame of context I know what you mean um, yeah. but then there'd be ones that like you know it's a like there's one of one of them was about Hillsborough, uh, right? Devastating, like one of one of the best documentaries I've I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, really good. Like they do they did the reenactments really well. Um, I think the key to kind of reenactments is is you know subtlety, uh, imagery. Um, did you ever watch uh, the Jinx? I couldn't finish it. What? I know. I I'd fucking say know. I, I say I finished it in a day. <laughs> I don't know what it was about, but I just I, it didn't. It just didn't grab my attention. That's very strange. Yeah, because I, I you'd love it. I think <laughs> I think it might have been oversold to me. Okay. Yeah. And you know yourself happens, how that yeah. can how that can happen. Like yeah. Um, like when somebody tells you it's the best documentary of all time ever. And everyone agrees, and you sit down, I and you're five know, minutes in, you're like, I know, oh, okay, it happens right. all the time. That's why I try when I go to cinema, I try and go see things early and see it before. 
uh, kind of people wreck my head about it. Like I saw Dunkirk uh, recently and I'd heard a lot about it. I just couldn't see it early on for, for whatever reason. And everybody was all like, I, I met a fella who'd gone to see it nine times. Jesus. Before I got to see it once. like, And I was like, I'm going to hate this. And I, I was blown away by it. Oh, yeah. Saw it in IMAX and uh, watched it with my parents actually. And jeez, uh, I never, like, I never get teary at films. Like, Fuck. I could count. <laughs> You're overselling it. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. Yeah, I'm ruining it now for you. But yeah, like, you could count. You could count the amount of times on one finger. <laughs> and what uh, was it? Was there something in particular that choked you up oh, or what? I, 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 it's embarrassing. It's actually <laughs> oh, here we go. The fucking snowflake lefty coming out. No, here. it's not. No. <laughs> no, it was like basically when they see uh, all the ship, all the little boats that come from England, and like the actor says, like, he's like looking out to sea. He's like, "What? What? What is it?" <laughs> It's home. <laughs> <laughs> You're serious. And, it and then there's a bit where they see the like the cliffs of Dover or whatever Dover, but it's so like I saw it in IMAX and it's really loud and it's like you're there. You don't nearly have fucking PS PTSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after and like just it's so tense and just uh, uh like yeah, just blighty <laughs> in the distance. <laughs> oh, home. <laughs> I was yeah, I couldn't believe it. And I, like, cause I be, I, I, uh, I'm dead inside. <laughs> usually, when, when it, it comes, comes to that, really, yeah, like, I, um, I know, I feel the emotions, but I just, I never actually cry. But I, that, that got me, got me. Yeah, there's always, uh, there's, there's been films that got me. Like, there's a film called Dear Zachary. Right, don't know. Um, just watch it. I think it's on Netflix. I, I if I tell you anything about it, it'll kind of ruin you. Right, ruin it for you. But um. Oh, very emotional <laughs> uh, and I, I recommended it to well no I watched it and my friend is always slagging me Gar because um, he'd, he'd I always slag him you'd cry at an ad yeah yeah <laughs> at a tampon ad you'd cry at. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's a big man like and he, he's just I don't know he, just when it comes to stuff he's just uh, herself bluffed. herself really? is the exact same the exact same like the, That's, yeah. the, the analogy I give is or the example I give is she cried when the shark died at the end of Jaws <laughs> like you know anything really? yeah. anything at all maybe, she's gone I don't know like, maybe they're they're better adjusted than us well you see that that's the thing like um I don't think it's unhealthy, um, yeah. but yeah. is is being kind of dead inside unhealthy? Uh, not, obviously not completely dead inside. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I think if I was like not, it's not that I'm not feeling anything. I just, I just don't feel the compulsion to cry. It just, it's not. I don't think I've ever really cried. Like, really? really? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, certainly not. Kind of, yeah. And have have you ever the, felt kind of put not put out, but have you? Like I I'd be something similar, yeah. Um, and I would deal with things, especially as they happen, with ease in comparison to a lot of people. And I know that I've been, I know that other people view me as being a bit, um, what's the word, uh, insensitive, insensitive, I suppose, right, or yeah. cold, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, or heartless. Yeah. See, I, I don't know. I think we're maybe we're just, we're just. It's not that. Yeah, I think it's not that you're not feeling it. It's just your reaction isn't to it doesn't it doesn't make you 
fall apart. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I mean, like I I get a bad rap for for that for for yeah. being kind of cold and heartless. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's a bit unfair. I think more. I think I think that that um, dislike is more warranted towards people who fucking break down all the time because yeah. what use are you when fucking you break down yeah all, like all you're all you're doing is fucking adding to fucking everybody else's yeah. fucking grief or misery to a, yeah to a degree at least yeah like. yeah like be be the fucking be the shoulder to cry on not the fucking cunt looking yeah. for one yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. that'd be my way of hearing <laughs> yeah. it like yeah yeah with him it's going funny like like that that film you're saying he's just because it, it's just really sad and he was just like he just wanted to go and hug his children <laughs> ah, <laughs> fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and he was saying I think that Ricky Gervais thing that Derek thing he was saying always gets him but I think What's it's Ricky Gervais Derek the, thing Derek it's, it's the he plays a kind of a, a guy with um, intellectual difficulties in, in and he works in like a, a nursing home it's, okay. it's very sweet it's very you know uh, kind of bittersweet kind of sad happy right. sad kind of thing but uh, I guess yeah different people are you know it's if it's happening all the time yeah I suppose that's that's a different thing but I and I guess different things get to different people like I remember one time um, watching the end of Shawshank Redemption and it got to me uh, like the where a bird d- died and that got to me and I, I maybe it was the fourth or fifth time and it, that's every other time himself, is yeah it, it didn't spoiler get to alert. me spoiler alert <laughs> yeah but uh yeah, I, I think my dad was sick at the time or something. So yeah, of course, yeah, hit home, something yeah. like that. Yeah, but uh, no, generally, no, I de- yeah, I feel the emotions, but I just no, there's no outward expression of like. in there or whatever. I yeah, don't know. yeah, <laughs> I reckon, yeah, yeah, and I guess yeah, there's like I don't know. Yeah, I think there's the kind of the stoicism has kind of been knocked as you know everything that's wrong do you know or that it's very, it's a very bad trait or something you know do you know what I mean I'm not overly familiar with stoicism I've, Stoic- I've heard the term but I, I couldn't describe it to someone so stoic is kind of stony faced kind okay, of emotionless yeah no, yeah um, matter of fact like there is actually uh, like a, there was a philosophical movement called from stoic so the etymology of the word is probably it's changed a lot but right. basically now the modern understanding of it is kind of yeah like you'd always hear of like people talked about their granddads that they were still kind of yeah not old very, school not over yeah old school yeah you know just got on with it um not no big emotions and I think there's there's a certain amount of value there's a balance but I yeah I I don't think it should be dismissed it and it is I think in the modern times it is a little bit. Do you know what I mean? That kind of, that. Yeah, it's it's okay. You know, have have a good cry there. Yeah. Let, let your let your yeah. let your emotions out, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. be bottling everything up. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe and uh, you know, people say that maybe that's why women live longer. I I don't know if there's medical truth in that that they that they mean, cry yeah. and they talk and, uh, but I think yeah, I don't know. I just wonder, <laughs> is there a balance? Is it necessarily the bad thing that's kind of. Does it go hand in hand with um, having like a dark side? And I don't mean that. I don't yeah. mean that as a as a as as a pejorative. Yeah. Um, like I think Peterson talks about this, uh, and I think either Freud or Jung or both of them maybe uh, mentioned it. This idea of the, of the shadow 
um, your your inner your inner ability to be an evil bastard, basically. Right. And the idea being that if you don't have that, like if if you're not capable of you know, murderous rage, say, mm. then that if you're not capable of that, that devalues your niceness. Because right. I I'm a, I'm a happy go lucky. Yeah. Guy, I'm, yeah. you know, uh, whatever else, you know, I'm, I'm nice. I don't go out of my way to, you know, uh, inflict pain or yeah. or anything like that on people. But I'm well fucking capable of it. Like. Right. Like I, I would, I would have a, 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 a dark side, a yeah. shadow, say. Right. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the the mixed martial arts allows me to, or ha- has allowed me to kind of right. release that a little bit. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But the idea being that. You're not really, you're not really a whole pile without that, if that makes sense. Like, you, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, if if you're if you're incapable of it, like all you are is a fucking, you're just a rabbit. You're just harmless. Yeah, like you're, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, say, where would you kind of? Is there like killer instinct, me or killer streak kind of, or like I would say I would have. I know there's a bit of a mean streak in in me so it doesn't come out very often but yeah. like even say my sense of you I'm black like you I I know you are black sense of humor yeah yeah my sense of humor wouldn't be everybody's cup of dead baby <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah like I find that hilarious yeah whereas somebody else would <laughs> yeah. just fucking you know recoil in horror because like. are we able to I don't know are we able to go dark because because we know the light is there you know we know we can go drift into those dark areas because I know our our center, our moral compass is is light, and or maybe you know maybe there's something to that. What does that mean? That our set, your moral compass, our center is light. Like you might have a a streak in you that's a bit that has that kind of that you could cut someone or cut someone like verbally or whatever, or you'd like. Yeah, it can be can fairly scathing. Like scathing, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd yeah. have a forked tongue when I need it. Like. Right, yeah. And that that comes out when I'm drunk sometimes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always a bit like, that's why like I'm I don't drink that much. I'm not a huge heavy drinker, but it's one fear that I would have that when that I wake up and oh, why did I say that? Like when I'm sober, I just keep it in and I have a little giggle to myself. <laughs> 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 Sorry, what was that? Bob? Oh. <laughs> Did I say the the labour quite quite a bit late? And I definitely have a face. I know I do, and I like I like my my eyebrow cocks up a bit. <laughs> I go <laughs> inside. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but like I think in general, I know I have you know I I I I know I'm a good person. I know I'm a moral person. So I, like I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, but again, back to Peterson. I think his point is. Um if you don't have that yeah then you can't take credit for being nice right <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean yeah and there's I think there's there's a there's something to think of in there because if you're incapable of being like a, an evil bastard basically and you're just kind of nice and polite and harmless by default and that's all you are mm. you can't take credit for that yeah like. you really can't like yeah but it's when you are capable of doing these things and don't. Yeah. That's something to be proud of, basically. Like, you can't be proud of being, uh, you know, nice as pie and harmless and all the rest of it. Yeah. If you're not kind of... Yeah, that's suppressing, interesting. Suppressing 
an alternative. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Um, yeah, it kind of reminded me of something I was kind of following the Charlottesville thing. Yeah, I yeah. Following, watching like the Vice thing and all the the Nazis were like, um, it says like you know what we're facing here. It's amazing that like nobody's been shot, and it was a bit amazing. I like it was a bit incredible that with all the guns that were there that there wasn't a mass shooting but like this guy was trying to get <laughs> trying to trying to take credit for not shooting <laughs> everyone you know? yes. not shooting up the place yeah like that's yeah, yeah. whoa yeah that's that's like a different but that nobody's talking about the restraint that we fucking had yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. we had loads of guns and loads of people we wanted to shoot yeah. but you know what we didn't shoot anyone yeah. where's the credit yeah like? we're, we're, yeah no credit <laughs> yeah so I guess that's the extreme that that's America <laughs> I have to have a think about that one now because that is the same thing. It's it, it's the same. Yeah. It's along the same lines. It is a bit. Yeah. Some, yeah, I'll definitely have a think about that about that now. Yeah, uh, I keep you posted. But that was such an extreme. Yeah, I don't. But America, the context of America is so insane that you know you have to take that into account as well. Like that, like that whole. Just that whole situation in Charlottesville is, is, you know, has kind of been coming for the last 300 years. Yeah, uh, I was thinking, I was trying to, I was thinking about Trump Mm. and I was trying to point to... It probably takes up about a third of my brain space. (laughs) Yeah, um, and I I think it's like the whole fake news phenomenon. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but I fucking love it. Right. I absolutely love it. More of it. That's what I want. I nearly set up a fake news site. Honestly, and just start peddling complete nonsense. Right. Yeah. Um. But not not complete nonsense. Nonsense that people would kind of swallow, and not in a not in a satirical kind of way, not in a yeah. Watford whisperers or the Onion kind of way. Yeah, yeah. But actually, try and convince people that yeah. you know, because Jupiter and Mars are aligned, there's going to be a bad storm or shit right. like that. Yeah, just, yeah. If the more of that is peddled out there, the more people are going to be fed up and won't yeah. know who to turn to yeah. or what to think is true. Yeah. And that's a fucking good thing. Yeah, yeah. People are just going to, they're literally going to have to and start kind of checking their sources. It's Yeah, it's a funny thing that, like, when was news not fake? Yeah, I, I saw a great quote. Ah, oh, fuck, who was it? George Orwell. It was about journalism. What was it? Um, journalism is printing something that somebody else doesn't want printed everything else is public relations right thought that was oh, pretty fucking really cool good. yeah really fucking cool yeah because i like before all this i always very skeptical skeptical of everyone everything that i read and if we can get that if we can get that uh that you take a pin take every single thing that you read with a pinch of salt and try and think of the vested interests that are going yeah. into that not by malicious, and I'm not saying I'm not saying every journalist, but just from kind of working in media, brushing up alongside journalism, and seeing how it works. Like there's a few things. These are tiny little things that happened early on in kind of my career that maybe <laughs> fucking journalists are full of shit. And I know <laughs> I know journalists and I know PR people. Like my friend Dave, my one of my best friends, Dave is uh, uh, works in PR, and um, he's. Uh, like he's brilliant at his job, but he he will fill you in on all the bullshit. Like, no, oh, I well believe yeah. it, yeah. Um, but uh, like the thing that happened, a small thing again. Like, but um, uh, myself and uh, my filmmaking partner at the time, we were making a film about. This, we were only kids when we were twenty, 
uh, making a documentary about my favourite uh, singer-songwriter. Um, so it was a cool thing we did. We were only like 20, but we we really, we were making loads of music videos and we really loved this guy, Sean Miller. I think he's like the best Irish, he's one of the best Irish songwriters ever, but he's just never got his dues for whatever reason. Um, but uh, we were making a documentary about him and he got a big write-up in Times at the time. And the journalist liked him and he was like, you know, he's a well-meaning journalist and it was a really good piece. It was a long piece about Sean's career and kind of saying how good he is. And this is just a tiny little detail, but uh, we were reading it and he said, he, Sean was quoted as saying, oh yeah, and there's these two guys, they're making a documentary. Or, or the journalist said, there's two guys making a documentary and uh, he quoted Sean as saying, oh yeah, there's there are these two fanboys. Uh, and they're making a documentary about me and it's going to be this and that it's going to be about this and that <laughs> and uh, fanboys fanboys yeah okay. of him or uh, of him yeah right so uh, so it's talking about us yeah yeah and like fanboy is it's a like, drug it's a drug term. Term. Yeah, yeah, it it's is. not a no, nice 100% not a nice thing to be called um, but <laughs> he called us straight away and said I never said fanboy I knew I didn't even know what it meant Right, yeah, yeah. So the journalist just took took that and took, I think he said two fans. And the journalist yeah. just said, oh, yeah, two fanboys. You know, for whatever reason, <laughs> he said, thought it felt better. Because I've, I've written, I've done loads of, I've done journalism as well. But that always made me not be, be very careful with quoting people's words and things like that. Of course, that. Yeah. I know that's a tiny thing. But but it is a tiny thing. Yeah. But it's a massively important yeah. tiny thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was like, so oh, and just a little detail, but like always, like big picture, fine, but when you're reading anything, just like thinking about those little details. Another one was a talking to a filmmaker, uh, this is a lecture years ago, or yeah, it was actually a, a, a film lecturer who wrote a book about a film that was made about, an Irish film that was made about Hugo Chavez. It was this mad thing where they ended up just filmmakers. They were just doing. They were Irish documentarians, and they were just making this kind of normal documentary about Hugo Chavez. But they happened to be there at the time when there was a coup to try and take over the government. Right. And uh, this lecturer wrote a book about it, and he was saying that um, he uh, he was doing all the research about. Um, the what happened in Venezuela around that time that the film was made and all that stuff, and he was looking at the headlines from the day, uh, of the, uh, the coup basically, and I think it was like like a really respected paper. I don't know if it was the Guardian or the Telegraph or something like that. And the the kind of the headline in the South America section of the newspaper was because basically there was a load of fake news put out that um that the coup was successful but it wasn't right um and a load of western papers reported that you know but it was wrong and he he looked at the headline and he he looked at the journalist and he called up the journalist and he found out the journalist who was the south american correspondent like first of all, having a south american correspondent like vast continent he was basically sitting on a beach in brazil and he he said well, what was your source for the venezuela uh, story so, oh, I just took it off writers, which is like the yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> this is this is counting for journalism yeah. these days, like yeah, yeah, and this is going back a few years, 
so like and you know the role of the the like journalists have been like been cut and cut and cut there journalism like you know the amount of money going into it so like that's you're talking about maybe five to eight years ago so imagine now like you know so when you're what you're actually reading when you think it's like you know news it's not news <laughs> no absolutely not like yeah. but i mean i look at what's on the the news that's in in the irish media yeah and even the what's in the on the papers like yeah it's not news like. yeah and again what the reporting on is inaccurate and what the reporting on isn't news yeah do you want to, do you want yeah, to kind yeah. of they're yeah. an accurate they're inaccurately reporting on stuff that isn't even news yeah um yeah and in in today's world like every so often i'll come across an article or someone will send me something and i'll be reading through it and it'll be some journalist saying that um you know this guy said this and um this guy said that and i'm like why am I listening to a fucking journalist telling me what this yeah, guy said? And yeah. you Google him and pull him up on Twitter and see exactly what he fucking said. Yeah. Do you know that kind of yeah. way? Because people are yeah. misrepresented fucking yeah, left, yeah. right, and centre. Like. Yeah, yeah. And th- there's a style of making documentaries now where you just get people to talk about, you know, like this, you know, like media people. There's people who are just like professional media pundits or whatever and go oh yeah and when she did that I couldn't believe it you know the style of making content and this kind of feeds into reality TV and stuff it's just so fake and so bullshit and it's kind of like everybody know everybody who's watching it knows it's bullshit everybody who, who's making it knows it's bullshit yeah, yeah. Uh, like yeah but it's like music it's yeah. it's become commercial yeah so you're, you're writing thing or you're, you're writing or directing or whatever or producing or whatever you're doing not because you've got something to say, but because you know that there's a need. Netflix have a need for this, so that's mm. why you're doing it. Yeah. As opposed to doing it because you've got something to say or you want yeah. to make people aware of, of yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Like. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'd have. I would have those. I I have like my bread and butter things. Um. So I have. So I write for Fair City. That's kind of. Uh. That helps pay the bills uh, and I enjoy it and um, that makes you kind of not uncorruptible but certainly less corruptible than somebody whose only income is from making yeah yeah it's that's what it does yeah it allows me to pursue the stuff that I want to do that said I always I I'm I'm going I go for every fund that's going every piece of money that's that's out because you know so I'm I'm happy to be I kind of call that like my mercenary work Yes. So that's like, you know... That's exactly what my business is. Right. It's exactly what it is. I yeah. absolutely no interest in that business whatsoever. <laughs> right. None. Right, yeah. Absolutely none. But it allows you... It allows to me to do, do this. Do, do and it allows things. me to train, it allows me to study, it allows me to yeah. to do, to live my life, basically. Yeah. But it is me selling my soul, essentially. Right. right. Like, if I if I won the lotto tomorrow, yeah. the fucking doors get locked, and that's the yeah. end of it. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? But most people they're just selling their soul for no good reason <laughs> or do you know yeah no I, I, maybe, I, I, yeah. absolutely absolutely but uh, again, again your man Peterson talks about this uh, quite a bit monetizing creativity is practically impossible so you have to have um, you know a job or something that makes you money in order to be creative yeah. full stop basically yeah because if you were relying on the money that you make from the kind of documentaries and movies that you're making, like 
You wouldn't yeah. be fucking making them. Like. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't yeah. be sitting. I wouldn't have the time to meet no, people. Like, I've had her booked in now for Wednesday at ten o'clock. Right. Like, yeah. in what planet <laughs> would that ever be possible? Like, yeah. Do you know what kind of way? Yeah, and yeah. the only reason that he can do that is because he works shift work. Right. Four days on, four days off. Like. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what the business has given me is autonomy. It's yeah. given me the fucking space in my day, and therefore space in my head to try and figure out what the fuck I want to do yeah, and yeah. to 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 study what the left is and what the right is and, yeah. and hopefully regurgitate that in a way that's palatable for for most people that's invaluable and would you say what would I know you were always interested in stuff but was there like a turning point for you in terms of all this stuff um I don't know if this is going to answer your question but um I remember when I was small, um, at six or seven maybe, I don't know, but I was walking through Dalgan Park with my mum and this harks back to what we were saying earlier, but when you're younger you look up to doctors and nurses and guards because you you think they're this, you know, thing. Um, We were walking along and my mum started kind of waving at her ear and she goes, isn't it mad the way flies only buzz when they get really close to your ear? And I, as like a six-year-old, just looked up at her and thought to myself, that's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. Oh, my God. You're teaching me? What? And that was a real pivotal yeah, fucking yeah. seismic shift in my fucking way I viewed the world. Like, right. uh, So ever since then, I've kind of... I know, question things, I suppose. Right, okay, uh, yeah, now, again, yeah. I don't know if that you can see how that kind of is loosely yeah, yeah. linked to what you asked, but I don't think yeah. it really addresses it. Um, well, yeah, so you were always questioning. Well, from, from, yeah. from that moment, yeah. I had this kind of, okay, yeah. maybe things aren't all they seem, or, you know, kind of, you can't trust norms, basically. But say, that I love that story, that's brilliant. Um, but say, in terms of, like, your current kind of mode, say where you've thrown yourself into it Um, what the fuck was it I I can't put my finger on it but there's definitely something in there that did want me to Hitchens I suppose was a big one right Um, my and I suppose atheism as well um, which obviously kind of directed me to to Hitchens because I even from from a kid like I just I never bought that and I don't think kids buy it full stop they just they just give up after a while I think I bought it I think there's something in it that's intrinsically appeals to kids like I, I was thinking about it today I, I always have a great think at mass when I do go <laughs> not not about what's kind of just about the phenomenon of it. like so we're at yeah. christening today um, and like it's funny like you just like the, the money being passed around and like you know it's like oh, oh yeah this is something we do yeah, yeah. <laughs> get your we, get your wallet out. Yeah, like, yeah. This, this isn't a business. Yeah, this isn't. Yeah, quote, yeah. To quote yeah. the priest from today's yeah, fucking master. Like, yeah. This yeah. is a brand, but it's not a business. Yeah, yeah. You know, cough up the fucking dollar yeah, yeah, dollar yeah, yeah. bills, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And for all the years that that was just so normalized. Yeah. Um. But when I was a kid, I loved the religion. I loved really, it. All. Yeah. yeah kind of, it did something for me. As I said, very kind of moral. I was always a very moral kid, like good and bad, and. And, you know, uh, so I was always thinking about, like, what would Jesus do? And, right. and I, I guess I liked the stories of it and stuff. Um, and, yeah, I I liked it. Uh, like, I always tell my kind of 
kind of m- me coming to atheism I kind of talk it like um, there were three big punches it was like uh, Trinity the Trinity yeah <laughs> yeah it was like I was slow enough to, like I just like I was always so consumed with films and stuff I was always just I wasn't really questioning things that much when I was a kid but the first one came and it's funny the three very holy places that I went to so we went to Lourdes um and I remember, we, like, we would have gone to Knock when we were kids and stuff, and uh, went to Lourdes, and I was just like, I was only 15, and I was so tacky. Yeah, gaudy. Gaudy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like, I was so cheap. You would have used three inches of sticky tape. Yeah, yeah, it really <laughs> was. Like, just everything with, like, Mary's face on it, yeah. and, like, you know, the, the whole story of it, and it's just, uh, this is, this is it was just weird it was just, it just it that was a big Roswell nearly point. isn't it yeah do you know kind of way like you go, I've never been but I'm, apparently when you go to Roswell they, there's a right. whole economy yeah. based yeah, around it yeah, like, yeah. I think Lurie's is something similar and it just felt very unspiritual and very unholy yeah very commercial very yeah and then uh, went to Rome so I, I when I was 18 went to college and we were given a choice of studying Irish or Italian and I decided to go with Irish um, or decided to go with Italian just like you know we always kind of joked that we looked me and my brothers looked Italian and and I kind of always had a bit of a fascination with Italian culture and all that stuff and uh, so my mum found out from a priest uh, in Navin that um, they do this scheme in Rome uh, that you can go they bring students out and they, they basically the Irish Pontifical College in Rome uh, they open it up as it's where basically where all the priests train uh, and they kind of open it up as kind of a hotel and they bring all these uh, Irish students over to work for the summer just like cleaning and remember you actually been over at right, this yeah, yeah, at the yeah. time yeah. but uh, yeah it was like an actual full on priest college like now most of the priests were gone for the summer but all like the monsignor, monsignors and the main priests were there, and it was great. We we'd work until two or three in the day, and then we were in the center of Rome, and we could just go off and do what we wanted. Class. And even from where they were, like it's beautiful college, like like uh, they had a swimming pool and a basketball court, and uh, all my cons. All their meals every day were paid for, and they were always bringing us out. Like they were really good to us, but like. They were so out of touch. Like the senior said to me, we were sitting at a table, and um, like I, all their they're so useless. Like as you know, domestically, because everything's done for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a fucking delivery of wine to the tr- thing, like every yeah. every week and stuff. And uh, he, the senior was talking to me, um, and he was like, "Oh, I hate, I hate the food in Ireland." I, I brought my mother to the Shelburne the last day and the food was terrible. Complaining like, about yeah, the food in the Shelburne. Yeah, like. like so wildly out of touch. And then just Rome. Have you ever been to Rome? Yeah. You know yourself then. Yeah. Like just, like when you amazing go, It's incredible. It, it, there's something, there's definitely something in the water there. Uh, like they, um, they, they're just the people that, there's just, they're amazing people like it's mad just stories of people watching there but when you go you know when you go to Sistine Chapel and they're bringing you through spend like two hours going through the Vatican like, yeah. look at all this shit we own yeah. and even in the college there was like 
there was a big uh, painting on the wall down in the basement, and one of the priests, oh, that's priceless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as an aside. Yeah, like, do you know it, I mean? like it was on a stamp or something. This like old painting that's worth a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Like, just and then you go walk out in the street in Rome, and it's like Rome's a real poor city, like. Yeah. And just side by side, and that was so that was like an uppercut. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that was yeah. a big, big knock, and that was kind of the end of you know religion for me but when you when you think like the the disparity there between let's say the vatican and how poor rome is now yeah when was the vatican Vatican built how poor was fucking rome back then back then granted it might have been the center of of an empire yeah but how poor were the the people yeah the people outside of the fucking cities like do you know kind of way it's very hard when when you start looking at it the whole that the house of cards just falls apart and then the final blow was actually Jerusalem. So oh, okay. Yeah, when I was living out in Dubai, um, it was great. We got to do all this travel. I, I was so lucky. Like by the age of twenty three, twenty four, I'd I'd seen a, a lifetimes worth yeah. of travel. Ten lifetimes probably. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, if to do it from here, you'd just you'd be saving up all your wages and going once a year, kind of you know, yeah. in the space of two years. Like from when I say it, it's mad. It's like Sri Lanka, um, China. Then at Christmas in the first year we did the Holy Land, and uh, yeah, and then later in the year like Nepal, Thailand, Africa, all these places. Uh, but the Holy Land was I was always fascinated. I really wanted to go there. It wouldn't have been religious at all at this stage, but um, it's my when you grow up with it, it it's there. Like the, even just the Holy Land. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's culturally relevant. Yeah, to yeah. you know everyone. Yeah, really like. And it was mad. It was a real adventure getting there because uh, in, living in Dubai in an Arab state uh, in the UAE, they didn't recognize Israel. Yeah, of course. So we weren't technically supposed to go. If we had gotten Israeli stamps on our passports, we wouldn't have been allowed back, back in. Back in. Mm. Um, couldn't call Israel, even in the school on the maps uh, that we were given, we were supposed to cross out Israel. And there was a geography book and the map where Israel was like stuck together. Hilarious. So ridiculous. Like, you know, so they don't see it as Israel. They call it um, uh, Palestine, um, occupied Palestine. But So thinking back now, it was like it was a bit of a mad thing to do. Like there was one border that you could go to uh, that they wouldn't stamp. Right. So we flew into Jordan. Jordan's an amazing place. Uh, Petra. Petra's one of the uh, great wonders, but it's kind of the least Have you been to Petra, have you? Yeah. The building in the mountain face, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's it's incredible. I think part of it is, because I've been to a good few of the wonders, and the more famous they are, the less impressive they are. Right. Um, Pyramids? Pyramids. I don't know. I didn't get to them. Um, I like the Great Wall. I thought that was good. Uh, It's great. Yeah, (laughs) it was Carl Spain. No, what's his name? Pilkington. Um, Carl Pilkington, yeah. That's it. The all right wall. <laughs> 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 but, uh, um, yeah, but Petra, because it wasn't famous, I, it was a real wonderland, like, you know, and it, and it's a whole city to explore. It was class. Um, but, yeah, different world, like, uh, but, yeah, so we, we, we crossed um, into uh, Israel from there. And, uh, like it's a real head fuck of a place. Like it's it's like I, 
you know, I'm fascinated with the area and stuff, but it really, I don't know. I, everyone could, should go there. Like, yeah. it all really just change how you think about things. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, got to Jerusalem then. And it's a mad place to go because you're so familiar with all the places. And it's like, you know, it's a place, like the center where everything happened is the size of Navin. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But it's like, you look here and it's the amount of mountain of Gethsemane and here's the Mount of Olives and here's the point of the ascension and all this language that you kind of go up with that yeah. has seeped, seeped in yeah. and you're really familiar with it so you're seeing where the Last Supper was and it's all within walking distance and uh, like it just it was just so human like it was yeah. so man made there yeah, was nothing spiritual about it and there was just all was division so there was like we had a really good guide and he was like talking about the diff- differences in the different religions and there was like, I think the Orthodox Church originally, um, they broke away over di- over a disagreement about something as small as like St. Mary died and then ascended to heaven or the other religion believed that she fell asleep and then rose to heaven but never died or something stupid like they went to war over this night you know and, and it, that was the Why whole not? thing there like if you go to the church of the holy sepulchre I can never say that word sepulchre um, I think it's where I think where the crop where he was actually died I think right. um, and there's a church on it and it's kind of a round dark chapel and it's kind of like in a pizza slice where it starts in the middle and then it works out and there's like uh, each religion has its kind of little segment, chapel, little segments. So it's right. like, yeah. And it's like, it's weird. There's each, each place has its like, like nun or monk or whoever who's like, gar- who's like in charge of there and they're like brushing their bit of the pizza Hilarious. slice and like fucking brushing away. It was just so like petty and yeah, you know yeah. and just like these kind of ancient and not, silly not rivals. divine do you know kind so of undivine, yeah, divine the opposite of divine yeah. yeah but but fascinating uh yeah so that and that so that was like the the absolute ko tko <laughs> what were the what were the three <coughs> so lourdes <coughs> rome and jerusalem, jerusalem. Yeah, yeah yeah so the three kind of holiest places or whatever but yeah so like you know i had the my early 20s was was doing that stuff uh like and you know and kind of thinking about things these things uh the uh my friend party <laughs> like party lovely guy like really nice guy but he does hilariously stupid things like like there's there's literally there's people we used to fill like every time we go on holidays we fill up a copy book of like the silly shit he'd say yeah yeah like uh, I don't know, was this party i think this was party uh, do you know what a tuk tuk is? The is it a rickshaw? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, in Thailand, and came out of a place of party. Do you want to? We got a tuk tuk. No, I'm not hungry, man. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the second time. In, in Thailand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's not just off the plane. That yeah, was the first yeah, time. Yeah, like, yeah. Always, everybody has loads of stories like that. But um, yeah, <laughs> uh, we were in Israel and we were going from like this is my first I think it was my first Christmas away and uh, ended up having this is the thing about travelling uh, Christmas day there was like four of us and we didn't really know each other that well I knew probably well but uh, we had like burgers and chips 
on Christmas, Christmas Day, Day nice. in an Irish bar. And it was so grim. I, it was the only <laughs> time when I was away when I was like, oh, I wish I was at home. Yeah, yeah. Turkey, you know. Yeah, where's uh, the stuffing and yeah, the cranberry sauce yeah, and, you yeah, know, the yeah. wine and the whole lot. Uh, so I think that, I think the next night because of that, we all went, got pissed in Tel Aviv. And Tel Aviv's like a real cosm- cosmopolitan city. It's class. It doesn't feel like a war zone at all. Um, and that, that was brilliant. But then we had to come back to Jerusalem the next day and we're getting a taxi. We had this uh, taxi driver's real... Uh, kind of a racist Israeli like just right. you know just so oh, we we gave these people a job you know, these people jobs and then they bombed us and you know just talking like they were animals kind of just yeah. and he like he wanted to stop and try and get it he got us like to stop and he got the girls to take pictures with the fucking Israeli soldiers and all this stuff and I just had to bite my lip yeah I'm not, I'd been Paulie just Paulie just didn't really know much about the the situation going in and like I you know, I'd read a bit about it, so I was kind of telling him about the different the factions and stuff. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, we were like driving along, and uh, this guy's just ranting and ranting, and Paulie's hung over as the fuck, and he just go, he just goes, and he's in the front, and I'm in the back, and uh, he's like, "Why don't you just give it back?" <laughs> Back with yeah. Oh, he wanted to. He wanted to stop and kick us out of the car. Like, yeah. he, first of all, he was like, "Give what back?" <laughs> Israel. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "You are ignorant. You know, like you know, you shouldn't be in my car and all this stuff." And, <laughs> like it was, it was so tense, and I, no, no, that's not what he meant. Cultural differences. Cultural differences. And then it was just like stony silence and like, maybe put on the radio <laughs> <laughs> before and he says something else yeah like. and uh, like we got there and like he, like he wanted to kick us out way earlier than he should have and he wouldn't drive into the Arabs like oh it's the Arab section and like that was the thing like our hostel like backpackers is just the cheapest one but it was in the Arab quarter um, right. and it's like this propaganda thing where it's like um, the Arab quarter they the, it's real dirty and overcrowded um, whereas the rest of Jerusalem is immaculately clean but it's just so the Israelis can drive by and go, oh look how they live yeah of course you know, yeah. they're filthy they're animals you know, it's real like real that left a real bitter taste in my mouth but then it was such a head fucker like meeting Israelis and like really nice people and kind of like you know the, it is this tiny country like and you know there's a like do they should they have like you know should they not do they not have a right to have it but and then like but then you see how it's enforced and the walls and also like um like this whole thing of like settling israelis in arab land where yeah. when you drive from the border to into jerusalem like it's just miles and miles of land of desert land like like if they needed land that's not exactly a problem like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you could build whole towns there that's not what that resettlement is about. It's about fucking, you know, this is the right to our land, to that particular land. Yeah. It's it's a fuck, it's a real head fuck of a place. Um, but yeah, like co- coming back to Ireland from there, you know, 24, having done and done that and coming back into, I remember kind of coming back into still recession Ireland and like almost being embarrassed by how much I'd seen like, you know, like, 
you know, things that come up. So <laughs> this is like the time I went canyoning in the Himalayas. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to <laughs> Which, kind of stop yourself. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Or like, yeah. or you know, when stuff like Israeli stuff comes up. Well, well, when I was there, <laughs> you yeah, know. yeah during my time in Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just because yeah, because when I came back, it was kind of 2011, 2012, and it was grim. It was a real grim. Time. Oh yeah, that would have been the depths of it. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I left, I left in two thousand nine, and it was just kind of kicking off. And that was when I just finished college. It was like when I was in school. It was like, what do you want to do? Uh, filmmaker. I had oh great, yeah, go follow your dreams. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then five the minutes time, later, yeah, I was like, go back, go back, do science, <laughs> do engineering. <laughs> so yeah, just just finished at a bad time. So Dubai, like my friend Paddy was out there, and um, I was just seeing actually on Facebook, seeing his life. I was like, yeah have a bit of that because there was nothing happening here and I was when I came back I wasn't sure if I should if I was kind of thinking I could stay out there for another year or two it was real tempting like the lifestyle was so good um, you know like in where sorry Dubai in Dubai yeah. in Dubai itself even the lifestyle like like I never drank so much in my life it was real a hedonistic culture yeah all these young Irish people out there and all different expats having a ball but then the flip side of that was like very very racist state like all the locals so it's built to serve the locals every local is pretty much kind of looked after but they're all very like or a lot of them or you know the very like the way they treat foreign workers and that yeah like just i don't think i could just justify living there now do you know yeah i know what you mean yeah but but the time at the time it was brilliant but yeah coming back it was hard but i think I, I was back a few months and I was still thinking about going back but um, I think I made a film on my own and I was like oh yeah I remember this, this is what this I want to do this is why I want to do it yeah. uh, and kind of from si- since then I've kind of been on that path you know because when I was 14 or 15 somebody asked I just remember somebody, somebody asked me what do you want to do and I, it was like a light went off my head it was like a filmmaker and from then I always had like I was lucky lucky than people I always thought that I was very lucky that I always knew what I wanted because still meet people and they still don't know what they want or yeah, you know, yeah. and, the, and the shit that they end up doing that they never wanted to do whereas I've always had that and Dubai was great to go and take a break and because I could still be there having a, a great life sipping cocktails by the pool like you know on a very normal way you can have a, this really stupidly extravagant lifestyle out there That's and presumably like there's there's no law against making movies or documentaries or whatever it is in Dubai like no and I was kind of looking that's what I was kind of looking into but it was quite hard because you kind of need Arabic and um, yeah I kind of wasn't too well set up for it maybe right. if it was out there now it would be a bit but uh, I kind of wasn't really in the right place to kind of pursue it but I don't think I'd really be able to make the kind of films that, that would really interest me I yeah. like I'm happy to be here in Ireland and, and like you know stories like that uh, I think the stories I want to tell are here you know or are coming from a, a, an Irishness you know so um, so I, I'm, I'm happy to be back here but it's, it's been you know it's been tough like coming back to like living with my parents when I got back first from Dubai Fuck. That was hard. 
I moved, I, moved, I moved home there uh, towards the end of last year for three months with herself and the little man while we were oh, doing right. up the house because like, the house was just okay, completely yeah, wrecked. Okay, yeah, I didn't like, realise that, yeah. yeah. Um, even that, like yeah. three months was just fucking absolute yeah. torture. And my mum's 100%. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, the yeah, best yeah, in the world. totally. I think it's like uh, some sort of a... Uh, it's, it's an instinctive thing or it's in your DNA that it forces you out because you're supposed to, you're supposed to be out. And it's yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, well, you you would have done that. I like I know I kind of I did a, an extreme version of that. I think by by most people's standards, like I moved out when I was fifteen. But yeah, you would have went to college and you you flew the nest. And when you came home, yeah. it was hard being at home. Yeah. And you mentioned there, there's this kind of instinctual. Yeah. Like not repulsion, but just something that's <laughs> yeah. I did, repulsion yeah. is the wrong word, but I, I don't know what it is, but. It's a push. It's a something in the back of you that's kicking you out. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think yeah. that's... We're losing that. Or I think a lot... Like, this idea of like living at home and you 30 isn't fucking unheard of by any no, stretch of the imagination. No, not at all. Um, more very common in Dublin. Like... And what's that? The price of rent, is it? Or Yeah, yeah. Like, if you look at my cousins, like, they they, they all go through college and they say... Like, they're all... You know, the oldest is 22, 23, and still... At home and will be for a while, and that's very normal. And the, like dubs are, dubs can be quite innocent because we have the the idea of the kind of the slick dub or whatever, or, you know, the buy and sell you. But a lot of them are like a lot of the ones I encounter haven't been out of Dublin much, aren't really wise to the world, living at home. A yeah, lot of yeah. those like um. I wouldn't be that close friends with many dubs. Most of my friends would be from all parts of the country or the world. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Uh, there's definitely I definitely see a divide. Like, like there is a big difference between dubs and the whole rest of the the country. I I think. Yeah. No. I, I think you're. I don't think you're. You're far yeah. wrong there at all. Um. It's a much. It's much more normal for for them to still be living at home at our age. And being mad, like I know people who are, there's a couple who are they're married and they're living at home. Jesus Christ, that's not right. That's not the natural. Way no, fuck that. Like, and I think your job as a parent um, yeah. is to equip your kids to leave home as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out the fucking door yeah. as soon as possible. And if they're yeah. if you're still doing your kids fucking laundry and you know cooking them dinners deep into their thir- or into their twenties, say. Yeah, you're you're robbing them of their own it's, life. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. I I always had this thing. Do you ever notice this thing in Navin, especially? Maybe it's everywhere or small towns, but this idea of kind of mothers and daughters being like like that, like good friends, you know, buzzing buddies going shopping with it, but like not in like not in the norm, not in a kind of you know normal healthy way. It was like. Uh, and people think we're sense dogs, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. But you know what I mean. But like, kind of a a smothering kind of way. Did you ever pick up on that? Or maybe I'd know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. no, ab- absolutely. And not even just with women. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually saw the opposite in Dave and Catherine there recently, which I thought was great. Ruth was telling me that your mum, uh, her nose is a bit out of joint over two things, um, that. Dave and Catherine weren't going to have me, uh, me and my sister's kid weren't going to have somewhere in what they were baptised in and what maybe you were baptised in oh, right. apparently yeah. she was a bit uh, disjointed okay. about that Yeah. and there was another thing about something about the cake she wanted to, to make the cake and 
they didn't want that either. Okay. But the story that I was told was your mum was basically pissed off because they didn't do what they want. And I was like, that's fucking brilliant. And she was like, what do you mean that's that's brilliant? And I was like, it's rare that I hear that. Right. It's usually, fuck's sake, I have to put my kid into this right. because my mum wants yeah, it. Yeah. We have to have this cake that we don't want right. because my mum wants it. And I was yeah, like, fair yeah. play to fucking Catherine and Dave because yeah, it's, yeah. it's far too common that the mother still has yeah. Yeah, yeah. a hold yeah. over them. Do you know that yeah, kind of way? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. as supposed adults like yeah 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 like yeah. Cut, the, cut the fucking cord totally like. yeah and my mother she generally wouldn't be that like that kind of no god no not, yeah, a, yeah. not at all not yeah, at all I know, totally know what you mean yeah yeah oh yeah or this idea of um, you know we didn't I suppose I'm a bit further on than you say with, you know family of kid and yeah. whatever else yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so I'm in that loop a little bit more but yeah. you know didn't neither of us wanted to get my kid christened, but you know what our parents did. Like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. Like, I, and shit like that. Like, I don't buy a lot of that. I, I think a lot it's of it's an excuse, is it? They actually, I think it's what they know, and uh, they're kind of like, I, and I think the whole school thing was a bit of a the whole thing about you know, there was a bit of an uproar about the whole baptism and school thing. I think that was a bit of a storm and a teacup kind of thing as well because it's actually I I know I understand the agreements with it that that it is an issue at all that that being being baptized is an advantage but when you actually look at it in reality it's actually not it's really low on the priorities like it's not it it it's fucking not it's third after like the two big things are uh proximity to the school and uh then well proximity to school is is it's kind of null and void because you're not going to want to put your kid into a school that's too far away from you anyway. Do you know that kind of way? Like logistically, it's going. Yeah. To, you're going to have to be relatively close. Yeah. Sorry, well, I, maybe we're on two different wavelengths here. Right, yeah. Sorry, you you won. Maybe I'm I'm picking you up wrong. Uh yeah, and then the second thing is um school the uh, uh kids relatives in in the school, and then third is whether they've been baptized or not. But like. I I like when I see schools. It's like the Catholic schools are the most diverse, uh, in terms of religion and that. Like you know, like I I don't I just I as far as I can tell, I'm from talking to parents. It doesn't seem to be as big a deal. Well, I know I know Caleb. Um, again, I do, I I won't say any more names. But put it yeah. this way: I know uh, a friend of mine wouldn't have gotten his kid into Les Mullen where my mom thought okay. only my mom got him in because he's not. Uh, Catholic right. oh, okay okay and they're uh, I think the kid is a Jehovah's Witness which is a form of Christianity oh right right isn't it yeah 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 so okay. it's not that you know they were completely different oh, now maybe that's worse maybe being a different ver- maybe you're better off being a Muslim than being a different yeah, version yeah. of yeah, Christianity yeah, yeah. I don't I, know yeah, I don't know again I maybe I just got it wrong but it just Maybe there's a lot more examples of that that I didn't know about. Um, well, aside from getting your kid into the school, um, a grievance that people would have is that they don't want their kid being taught, re- yeah, religion in, yeah, in the school. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Fair, yeah. No, I, I, just, I, I was kind of picking up on the thing that it seemed like a lot of people are are getting their kids baptized, 
and maybe that like they're using the whole school thing as a as a reason. Well, you know I, mean? I here's a term for you. I was on yeah. uh, jury duty there not that long oh, ago, right. and um, you, you actually had to do it. No, okay. no, I was yeah. I was in court every day for fucking five days for three or four hours, but I was never called okay. to be up in the jury. But I saw I must have saw about a hundred people uh, get sworn in. Right. Um. Every single one of them put their hand in the Bible and swore to God <laughs> that they weren't going to tell the truth. And I'm like, yeah. this is, you know, a hundred people? And the yeah, way the yeah, way a jury yeah. is picked, yeah. or the, the way the, like the pool of people for yeah. a jury, yeah. it's it's all walks of life. It's it's everyone and anyone. You know, like yeah. in a way, yeah, yeah. it's as diverse as they can as they can make it. Yeah. Yeah. And to get a hundred people who are all devout Catholics yeah. is just nonsensical. Like. Yeah. So you're... you're you're starting off court proceedings with a big fat juicy lie basically and yeah i, I kind of said it to the girl that i was sitting beside i was like listen i don't know about you but i'm not fucking swearing yeah. on any fucking bible if i'm called up mad. and she was like i'm the fucking same yeah. and we th- that kicked off the conversation but the, the term she used was um her kids were compulsory catholics right that's, yeah. that's what she called yeah them yeah because of this idea of yeah. um and yeah it does feel like that it's like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> like you're the only one who's sane in this world of like people who are mad. It's like um, uh, Dylan Moran used to say, like, talking about. Uh, <laughs> I got him! I got him! Um, yeah, it's like you know all these presidents, like important people saying, "Oh, yeah, when I'm making an important decision, I I talk to do- talk to God." Oh, you lost him! You didn't get him again, did I, you? I'm pretty good at getting. Him. <laughs> Daddy land like okay. <laughs> um, but uh, oh yeah, his thing was like yeah, like you know, presidents, you know, the most imp- most powerful people in the world saying, oh yeah, when I make an important um decision, I I talk to God. It's yeah. like saying I talk to my imaginary friend. Yeah, yeah. Like, but fucking that's scary. Like. There, that's the normal like. We're the we're the odd ones. That's the thing. We're the less and less. I think there yeah. was a, there was a recent survey done in the UK. A couple of it could have been a couple of tens of thousands of people. Right. Um, and I think it was the first time ever that white Christians weren't in the major in the majority. Yeah. No, I don't think. Was it they weren't in the majority? Or was it just the nuns? I think the nuns were the biggest group. Like the the no religion, like yeah, yeah, nun, yeah, yeah. that group right. was bigger than all, than I was all the like other the ones. Nuns, uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 fucking it's mad, like. Um, but I think we are we're certainly becoming more yeah. more and more secular Time, and with good reason. Changing, and yeah. it's yeah. about fucking time. Yeah, mad is taking us on. Uh, I better kind of wrap up. Yeah, no bother at all. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, brilliant. No, we'll we'll definitely we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a pin in it.